Anderson came back to make the catch for it. Anderson has missed a field goal for the first time in two years. You can't do nothing but get your own home. What's up, y'all? How you doing? My name is Dre, and this is the Painted Lions Skull Edition. Now let's get to talking about the Vikings and the second game of the 2021 season. Now this week, the Vikings are heading to Arizona, a comedy beyond belief. And while I do think it will be an uphill battle this week, I think the Vikings can pull out a W if they do these five things. Number one is stop with the dumb penalties. In the last game, including the two that were declined, there were five offensive holding calls and also five offensive false starts by CJ Ham, Brian O'Neill, KJ Osborne, and Tyler Conklin. On top of that, there were two other penalties that racked up to 116 yards. It really is hard to get anything going offensively when there are countless holding and false start penalties on top of everything else that can happen. And hopefully this was simply nerves and will be gone this week because otherwise it can be a huge problem and really hurts the offensive line as a whole. Because number two is the offensive line needs to step up. Our offensive line is fairly dependent on two rookies who haven't really been playing and then a second year player in our center, Garrett Bradbury. And okay, so the reason why this is a big deal is because Chandler Jones, who had five sacks alone against the Tennessee Titans, last week went up against three-time pro bowler Taylor Lewin. Now this week he is going to be blocked by Rashad Hill who in the last game respect where it's due only allowed two pressures and then also zero sacks though he was also responsible for three penalties against Trey Hedrickson. Now this is a problem because Chandler Jones is a lot stronger than Hendrickson. Hopefully Darisaw can start playing soon or they can use Hill and then get him help with a tight end that they now have and give Kirk more time because last week Tannehill was pressured 31% of the time. He had a pocket time of 2.4 seconds and threw for 212 yards, whereas Kirk was pressured 33% of the time and had a pocket time of 2.2 seconds and he threw for 351 yards. Arguably though, if the penalties are less and Kirk gets a little bit more time to throw the ball, he'll be able to throw it accurately and use his wide receivers to their potential. Number three is take advantage of their Arizona secondary. Now the Cardinals defensive back Mario Wilson allowed 75% of the passes his way while Brian Murphy only allowed 43 passes. However, he also allowed eight yards a target. And these types of numbers are very similar to what Jefferson and Thielen did to the Bengals defense when Kirk had time. Now these two are arguably the best duo in the NFL right now. And even with a good amount of pressure, they did pretty decently against the Bengals defense. Now there is a concern obviously with Cardinals safeties Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, who only allowed an average of 59% of the passes their way with an average of three yards. Kirk still threw for 351 yards with 36 completions on 49 attempts. And also, Kirk did lead the Vikings downfield into field goal range to push overtime despite starting at the five-yard line with less than two minutes left in the game and no timeouts. Number four is get Cook going. And this can be in either way, whether it's the run game or the passing game. And the reason why that's significant is because the Cardinals were able to hold King Henry to only 58 yards rushing. Respect is due for that because he 
won the league's rushing title in each of the past two seasons, including rushing for the fifth highest total in NFL history last season with 2,027 yards. And from 2018-2020, he accumulated more rushing yards at 4,626 and 45 rushing touchdowns than any other player in the league. So this is immensely surprising that he hardly could make an impact in the lopsided game against the Cardinals. Now, Henry has a slightly different style than Cook. He tries to blow past his opponents with his long strides, which outstep and really outpace everyone else in the field. And this is why he has huge runs that have him breaking away from everyone. The problem is, is that when the defense loads the box and Derrick Henry's long legs do not allow him to get low enough to keep a low center of gravity to push the pile or really win head-on-head -head collisions in a short amount of time, it can hurt your average. And I say this even though I know for a fact that he would run over me just by breathing on me. I only say this because he has long legs, which can be easily points of contact in small space situations. As such, against the Cardinals, Derrick Henry was stopped three times on the goal line. Seemingly, Henry needs room to pick up speed and momentum while running. Now, Henry is arguably almost a one-trick pony when it comes to running and receiving. Last week, Cook had six catches out of seven targets for 43 yards, whereas Henry had three catches out of four targets for only 19 yards. Now, Cook is well known for his receiving ability and is relatively speaking easy dump down for Kirk if he does not have the time, which given how our offensive line is and given how good the defensive line is of the Cardinals, this is a high possibility that's going to happen. Now, last season, Cook's catch percentage was 81.4% compared to Henry's 61.3%. It's also worth noting that Minnesota had Thielen and Jefferson last year, so Cook's numbers, honestly, could be higher on another team. Additionally, by watching the two, many would think that Cook is more elusive with his agility and just simply by being a smaller guy. Now, last year, they were neck and neck with 33 and 34 broken tackles to him and Henry respectively. The difference is when you take into account that Cook had 66 fewer catches last season, not including the playoffs. That means that Cook breaks a tackle every 9.5 times he touches the ball and Henry does that every 11.1 touches. So both backs are at the top of the league when you take into account power and elusiveness and then obviously scoring. However, Cook's impact as a receiver does lapse around Henry's. And because of this, Cook should produce better or at least the same as he did versus the Bengals. And honestly, again, when it comes to the line of scrimmage, there's a high possibility that they're going to run our offensive line over. So Kirk needs to be able to throw the ball down to Cook. And frankly, that's a really good thing because of how good Cook is when he gets the ball in his hands, especially when he's in the open field. Arguably, we should have won the game versus the Bengals with the numbers, if not stolen at the last minute by the refs on that horrible call. Take that away. If Cook can do the same as last week, we have potential to win this game. Number five is everyone gets that peace squared revenge game attitude. As I'm sure a lot of people know, after spending the first 10 years of his Hall of Fame worthy career in Arizona, the DB, the man, signed with Minnesota during this past offseason. Now, despite being slightly older, Peterson is going to come to play here. He's been saying it from the beginning, even though he tried to downplay it this week on his podcast, that he had some issues with some of the 
head office people when it came to his career ending in Arizona. And he's going to want to really put up numbers. He doesn't know how the crowd's going to react, frankly. I think they should react positively. He did give a lot of good downs to them, and he deserves to be credited for that, even if it ended poorly, because he has no issues actually with the team itself, to my understanding, at least. Now, I know I said in the recap of the last game that Peterson didn't get any balls thrown his way. He did have one pass thrown in his direct way, but it wasn't overtime, and arguably it wasn't that badly covered. It actually was a short screen to chase right after the Dalvin Cook quote-unquote fumble late in overtime. But either way, though, the DBs and mainly Rashad Breland did not do the best last week with the Bengals. And honestly, the Cardinals have a much better receiving core. Arguably, the Cards have the best receiver in the NFL right now with DeAndre Hopkins. The question is, is who do we put on their obvious number one receiver? So the Bengals number one receiver is T Higgins, which last week was mostly covered by Breland, who unfortunately got burned by him a few times. Now, Breland did cover Chase as well, who burned him too. But on the times that Higgins was covered by Peterson, he did not get a pass thrown his way. When it comes to Rashad Breland, I do think that he can rebound, obviously. But right now, based on what I saw last week, I think that we can't put him on Hop because he had a lot of issues. And if we put him on that, then Hop is going to run circles around him. And really, it's going to be hard. But here's the thing. Peterson knows him because he practiced with him for an entire season. And even so, with last season, arguably, being his lowest, Peterson was matched up with a lot of number one receivers, and he was still tied for first in Arizona's picks. He also had only 67.1 completions allowed, which in his career is arguably his worst, but that's still good, though fairly average among DBs. The one thing that's slightly scary, though, is that Jack Rabbit Jenkins covered Hopkins last week when they played the Titans, and his completion rating was lower than Peterson's at 58.8. Eight. Now that's less than 10%. And Hopkins yet last week though caught six passes on eight targets for two touchdowns and 83 yards. Having said that, the only two times that I could find that Hop and Peterson lined up on opposing teams in a regular season game was in 2013 and 2017. So in 2013, Hopkins got six receptions for 69 yards on 11 targets. Whereas in 2017, he had four receptions for 76 yards and one touchdown on nine targets. The difference being at the time, the quarterbacks throwing to him were Case Keenum and Tom Savage, respectively. For the most part, Peterson did cover him well. Now again, Peterson has some intel on how Popkins plays as they lined up together for an entire season. Now, honestly, when it comes to the offense, Hopkins isn't the only receiver who can make plays. Christian Kirk caught 100% of the five targets that he had for 70 yards and two touchdowns. And also, Murray Murray was able to spread the ball around to running back Chase Edmonds, third wide receiver Rondo Moore, and the corpse of AJ Green a few times. So this is also why we need the defensive line to have that revenge attitude. Not only the Patrick Peterson revenge, but also the revenge for what happened last week. While we did all right, we need to get more active on it because last game, Murray was pressured only about 26% of the dropbacks that he had, and he still threw for 289 yards. Now, our defense was able to pressure Burrow about 
34% of the time, and he threw for less than Murray at 261. Yes, Murray is more agile than Burrow, but Murray only had to scramble one out of the nine pressures that he has, whereas Burrow went for zero out of the 11 he had. Burrow was sacked five times, and Murray was only sacked twice. Now, Murray had slightly more time in the pocket, so if we can get our defense to put more pressure on Murray and keep him in the pocket, it's possible that he won't have time to throw the ball to his receivers. So if everyone on the defense can just get that Peterson revenge attitude, there can be an upset with the Arizona Cardinals. Now for the score prediction, which was really close last week, which arguably was the right numbers, but it was just flipped from the actual numbers. And it probably would have been the actual score of the game had that fumble not had happened. So I'll do another Madden 22 Xbox Series X simulation. And it showed honestly a fairly defensive game up until the beginning of the fourth it was seven to nothing and then we never were able to get a touchdown and we only got a field goal and then they got two field goals so it ended up just being kind of a weirdly defensive game which i didn't expect but if last week showed anything the score will be flipped so the final prediction score would be 13 to 3 vikings over cardinals having said that i very hesitant to think that that's what's going to happen, but we'll see. Now, frankly, I am still worried about this game, but I am cautiously optimistic. Let's keep a little optimism. If we can do all five things, we can get the W and remain. Now, let us know in the comment section your final score prediction and subscribe for more of the Painted Lions Skull Edition. You can also follow me on Twitter at Skull Edition and at the Painted Lions. You can also check out this podcast on multiple channels such as Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the like. Look out next week for the reaction to this game and the breakdown along with the week three prediction. Until next time, Skull, let's go Vikings.